folks, Mackenzie Lambert here, your host for Making the Movies, where we look at everything from art house to grindhouse. On this episode, we conclude our two-part look at the films of director Josh Becker. Interwoven in the reviews are excerpts from my discussion with Mr. Becker. We will be revisiting Alien Apocalypse, which I previously reviewed in November for the Bruce Campbell episode, as well as Harpies, Morning, Noon, and Night, and Warpath. And there is the return of the three tenors. John and I will be discussing the coolest characters in cinema and sharing our thoughts on the list of Mr. Rob Hill. Now let's dive into the movies. After 40 years in space, four brave astronauts return home. Wasn't Portland in the middle of the woods? But life as they remember it has changed. My name is Captain Chuck Burks, United States Air Force. Aliens have enslaved the human race. Tell me now, who are you? What's going on? What are you aliens doing here? destroying the planet do your work well and you will live that is your only choice what are these aliens doing here wood they're here for wood they slowly but surely stripping all the trees on earth now it's up to one man no to rise above the tyranny what are you doing and fight for freedom they die everything dies in an epic battle to save the world we're gonna take on these aliens and we're gonna free my friend and all the other slaves at the sawmill now who will join me in my quest mr president someone's got to lead this rebellion and if it's not going to be you then it might as well be me and Renee O'Connor from Xena, Warrior Princess. Alien Apocalypse. You like wood so much? Eat this! In my previous review of Alien Apocalypse, I wasn't won over. Campbell came off as tired, Visually, it was shot straightforward. I think I was a little too harsh on this film, having not been impressed with the Asylum-caliber offerings of the Sci-Fi Channel for years. I wrongfully lumped Alien Apocalypse with that group. Alien Apocalypse was sincere with its offerings and not contaminated with cynicism and irony. I may not be a big fan of the film, but it was nice to have a chance to hear the circumstances of filming in Bulgaria from Becker's perspective. In the supplemental material for Man with the Screaming Brain, as well as Bruce's second autobiography, Hail to the Chin, we got that process from Campbell's point of view. Here's Mr. Becker on filming in Bulgaria. Alien Apocalypse? Uh, we've heard. Yes, this- my big hit. That was, you know, <laughs> the surprise hit. 
Yeah, that was a huge uh, gift for the Sci-Fi Channel because it was like a movie of the week, uh, like one of the best rated movies of the weeks, and then that allowed for Man with the Screaming Brain. Uh, we've heard the circumstances for filming in Bulgaria from Bruce's point of view. I'm curious to hear how that process unfolded from your perspective. Why well, we did, there were three pictures, and I went first, and it was Alien Apocalypse. And at some point during the setting up of Alien Apocalypse, Bruce just arrived to watch. And uh, uh, that's when he made his nefarious plan, which mattered not at all to me, is that instead of putting a crew together, he was just going to use whoever I put together, and which is fine, you know. And then they became the crew for the night, of course. And he did it with a lot of his cast as well. He went, okay, that person was fine in Alien Apocalypse. Be, we'll take their stupid wig off. They'll be better in this. Um but uh, uh, I, that film was a, a great joy to shoot, uh, Alien Apocalypse. And in many ways, it's because I had American department heads. You know, it was an American production company, and so, the, you know, the DP was American, the art director was American, the, and, uh, and then everybody else was Bulgarian. Because the next movie I made down there, the... Uh, Harpies? Harpies, that's what it was. Um, it was entirely Bulgarian, and that was much rougher. I also got to discuss director of photography David Worth with Mr. Becker. David Worth, uh, the man at the helm of such classics as Warrior of the Lost World, starring the paper chase guy in Mega Weapon. He also directed Kickboxer with Jean-Claude Van Damme, the Lady Dragon films with Cynthia Rothrock, and Shark Attack 3 Megalodon. Mr. Becker spoke fondly of Mr. Worth. Yeah, that's, uh, who was the DP on that? Uh, David Worth. Oh, David Worth, of course, yes, he has his old, he directed some of the <laughs> giant shark movies and stuff. <laughs> and did you have a chance to chat with him or maybe pick his brain? Uh, just chat it with him, I sat directly next to him for three <laughs> weeks, uh, 12 hours a day. I mean, we did nothing but chat for the entire movie. That's amazing. Um, yeah. He knows his movies, David Worth. Is he still alive? Do you know? Um, okay, now for a slight retraction. I mistakenly assumed David Worth had passed away. He is still very much alive and is currently shooting Borrowed Time 3 for director Alan DeLabi, and the film features Lucio Fulci regular Catriona McCall in a supporting role. Yeah, well, he was not young when he did my picture. <laughs> <laughs> and I was he was the fastest DP I've ever worked with. Nice. So, and I'd heard it before, but the older the DP, like the faster they are. <laughs> you know, they know that their life is going to end soon. Why fuck around lighting? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it has been prophesized in the Redible Scrolls that a harpy slave will descend from the heavens to save us. You think you got problems? I'd be careful with that. Look, it fits. Where the hell am I? What the hell was that thing? Wait a second, where do you think you're going? That's my father 
wounded there. I'm going to help him. You're going to stay here. I'll take care of this. You are the one. You are the Harpy Slayer that has been foretold. Harpy Slayer. Vorian the Alchemist, he's cast a spell on Lord Kester. You want Vorian, right? That's right. Then join us. We'll get him for you while we rid ourselves of those creatures. Then you can go home. You got a deal. Very soon we will travel to the future to conquer new kingdoms, my love. <laughs> Jason Avery is a former cop now moonlighting as a museum guard. One night, the museum is infiltrated by a small group led by a crazed academic. He wants to use the obelisk for its powerful energy, yet Jason opens the obelisk and is sent back in time. When Jason comes to, he is back in the Middle Ages. The village is under the iron fist of Lord Castor and his army of harpies. Jason must lead the villagers into battle. Harpies was another sci-fi original film directed by Josh Becker. The film draws many parallels to Sam Raimi's Army of Darkness. According to Becker, that was intentional on the part of screenwriter Deacon O'Brien. And then the guy who wrote it, I forget his name, Declan O'Brien. He was so in love with the Evil Dead movies. And though he couldn't get actually work with Sam, getting at me like mm-hmm. pleased him. Which led to many an IMDb reviewer shaming this film as an Army of Darkness ripoff, which I offered a rebuttal. Yeah, I was looking at some of the IMDb reviews for this uh, for Harpies, and it's like, wow, these people are really harsh. It's like, okay, yeah, it's I mean, it's similar to Army of Darkness, but then again, you know, Army would, of Darkness. It's a piece of junk. It's just it, it didn't have to be quite as bad as it is if any money had been put into the special effects. I mean, it's like people are acting like, oh, Army of Darkness, uh, this is just, and it's like Army of Darkness really wasn't that original. I mean, Army of Darkness kind of took bits of Monty Python, it took bits of Harryhausen, took bits of Mark Twain's Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. So really, if you're going to, uh, originality, like Army of Darkness was an original itself. I mean, they're both, it was an enjoyable no. film, but. Right. Well, anyway, Harpies, it was a yeah. gig. You know, <laughs> I mean, ultimately I brought it in on time and on budget, so everyone was happy with it. <laughs> Stephen Baldwin handles the role of Jason Avery uh, poorly at that. He tries to be Bruce Campbell, but fails miserably. Mr. Becker pulls no punches in sharing his thoughts on working with this particular Baldwin. Now for Harpies in 2007, uh, how was the experience working with a member of the famed Baldwin family? Well, I got the retarded one, so, (laughs) you know, I'm sure Alec and Daniel and... (laughs) Billy or whatever are are all fine to work with, and I like Alec Baldwin as an actor very much. But Stephen, you know, is just he's an idiot. He's a creep, and it was a bad time for him. I don't know if things have improved or not. So, um, but uh, you know, having given up cocaine for God, you know, I mean, if that works for him, great, you know. But, uh, uh, you know, he didn't know his lines. Mm. And from my standpoint as a director, I, that's the bare minimum I'm asking. <laughs> really, this is... If <laughs> no, it no, was, that's true. 
If it was community theater, you'd have to know your fucking lines. <laughs> the lovely Christian Richardson plays Cecilia, one of the villagers. She puts in a better performance than Stephen Baldwin. Richardson hit a triple, appearing in all three versions of CSI. She also appeared on Charmed, Lost, and NYPD Blue. While Mr. Becker would dismiss this film as a piece of junk, it's definitely the kind of film you will have fun with friends and copious amounts of alcohol. It's very easy to find this film on a few streaming services. I'm normally a physical media guy, but this film just doesn't justify the effort to find it or the money to spend to buy it. Don't you have any ambition? That would be nice being rich. Mm, Dad's hot. What? I am wonderful in my own charm-noxious kind of way. Okay. I've been building four and five-stage rockets in my house. I could look at purses all day. I could look at shoes forever. Let's get out of here, right? I'm telling you, that was the scariest moment of my entire life. I love the beer bash. You really don't have any good students this semester? None. Any of you do the assigned reading, you're all nothing but a bunch of slackers. We're millennials and we don't like labels. In the corporate world, everybody's about to screw everybody else. I gotta be sharp as a razor. It's worse than doggy dog out there. It's 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 wolf eat wolf. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Transplanted. No, wait! Just not done! This is my... My dad's freaking out. Who isn't? Everybody's got to choose their own poison. We're so bad. Morning, Noon, and Night follows a group of people who occasionally intertwine into each other's lives. There's Cliff, a businessman, struggling with his premature peak at his job, in between his dire need of cocaine and Diet Coke. Aaron, a schoolteacher, frustrated by his indifferent students, downs Gatorade laced with vodka, or maybe it's vodka laced with Gatorade. Two students, Kelly and Billy, who experiment with snorting heroin, are looking to upgrade from softer drugs like vaping and marijuana. While the film is categorized as a comedy, it's actually a pretty dark comedy. These are people who are alone in their addiction, and when they are together, they share in their misery and a camaraderie in their indulgences. I share my takeaway with Mr. Becker. Uh, my takeaway from Morning, Noon, and Night was that these addictions were all that these people had going for them. Uh, the sales manager who reached the glass ceiling, the burned-out college professor. These are people who are just looking for something to make the daily suffering of life worth enduring. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what was really the message? Uh, was that really uh, am I uh, off or is that kind of... Oh, I thought that's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed Morning, Noon, and Night. I, I, I think probably I would say my top three would have to be running time. Uh, if I had a hammer and morning, noon, and night, those I think are some of well, the thank best you. films. Uh, and um, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Don't go ahead. I'm, oh. I'm just it pleases me. I mean, you know, I think you got exactly, you know, but but also, it's about community, and so 
it's like their community holds them together as well as their addictions. <laughs> mm. And I just thought, you know, and it's, it was certainly not an earth-shaking idea, but like, what if people had all the addictions I see all these people have, and nobody's in trouble with the law? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's not part of the story. And I absolutely applaud you for calling out coffee drinkers because I think those are some of the biggest addicts, and yet we make a big deal about marijuana, but yet we don't make a big deal about caffeine as much, and I think caffeine's more dangerous. I like them both. (laughs) There was one scene that was a great execution of misdirection. Kelly is waiting outside a dope house while Billy is inside getting heroin. Slowly, another car pulls up in front of her, and she starts to panic. We see a group of rough-looking guys get out and open the trunk of their car. She thinks they're getting weapons out of the trunk and are going to take out the dope house. All this build up for it to be revealed that they were just changing a flat tire. That's because it's true. (laughs) Really? It's a true scene, and people have gone like, oh, man, that's racist. It's true. And you get to build in everything because... (laughs) (laughs) I thought, you know, that... I tried to put as much many true things as I could into that script. You know, Josh Becker wrote and directed the film. Joseph Laduga puts in a low key score. Cinematographer Daniel Noga captures everything in a simple, effective, straightforward manner. Editor Kay Davis is someone I've neglected to talk about. She does a great job with not overwhelming the audience with these characters and not relying on heavily stylized cutting. She worked for Becker previously on If I Had a Hammer, Running Time, and Lunatics, A Love Story. She also worked on Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 2. Frank Ondorf struck a chord with me as Aaron. I myself went to undergrad school to be an English teacher. Go figure it was the last semester before I could graduate that I realized this job isn't for me, but I stuck with it because I had mounted enough debt from taking classes at a private college. Aaron's dealings in his classroom with his students almost gave me PTSD. John and Freddie is hilarious as Cliff. He's always on edge and very protective of his Diet Coke. Manfredi had previously appeared in Oz the Great and Powerful, Real Steel, and Ides of March. He also provided the bar fight choreography in Thou Shall Not Kill, Except. Carly Schneider and Alana Foley have great chemistry as Kelly and Billy. Both are early in their careers and have a lot of potential to be breakout stars. Morning, Noon, and Night is an interesting character study of people living for addictions and being a community bonded by their addictions. I would imagine this film is the love child of Richard Linklater and Sergio Leone. You have a group of quirky characters converging onto one location and the chaos that follows. I highly recommend this one. I'll be back before you know it. Be careful, Ma, please. Don't you worry, dear. I will. You wrote to Sheriff Jackson there asking about your husband. It don't look good to me. It's over 400 miles to Fort Collins, Colorado. Need a guide, Miss Erickson? They say he's killed 20 men and brought back 50 more. You sure don't waste much time, do you, Cole? The longer I wait, the further they get, the further I gotta haul them in. Where's my whiskey? I get a hundred bucks a man. You got a hundred bucks? Would you like me to hurt you? Or would you like me to kill you? He's my man. He's mud in your eye. I ain't gonna tell you no stories. 
Give us all you got. Yeah. I've got these. They say there's a Indian war. There is. Where is everybody? But we ain't leaving. They're gonna kill us. I'll go get them. Can I go with you? No, you cannot. the women as hostages they got Alice since when did you get on a first name basis with my wife them's Pawnee Braves they're crazy they'll kill anything they kill women you got a plan Taking place in Red Cloud, Nebraska in 1878, Lucky Erickson has gone missing while on his way to his gold mine. Alice Erickson, his wife, is determined to find him. Her journey will take her into hostile lands between two warring native tribes. She finds an unlikely ally and bounty hunter, Emmett Cole. Warpath is an earnest attempt at making a traditional Hollywood Western in the vein of High Noon, Stagecoach, and Rio Bravo. The poster for Warpath is near identical to the poster for the John Wayne Western, The Shootist, yet doing so on a small budget, and that may be a hindrance to a number of viewers. The bare-bones sets, the quality, and the costuming, a low-budget period film tends to be unfairly scrutinized more heavily. It's gutsy to make a back-to-basics western in the current climate of film. Mr. Becker and I discuss if there's still a place for the western in the contemporary state of film. Then we jump into the state of the industry itself. Cinema landscape just seems to be really just comic book films and blockbusters. Uh, Do you feel there's a place for the western and not just like western hybrids like Bone Tomahawk, but just your basic western? I guess there wasn't because not many people watched it, you know. Uh, but I believe that, uh, film is in a transitional period right now because I think people do want to go to the movie theaters and I think everybody wants to get back to a real life and, uh, you know, streaming does not fulfill the need, I don't think. Oh no! I mean, I yeah. For I actually uh, went and uh, went to a theater here in Buffalo uh, just uh, two weeks ago just to see that new movie, Nobody, with Bob Odenkirk. It's like, okay, I'm I'm not going to pay the twenty bucks to see this on streaming. I'll just pay the fifteen bucks to go see it in the theater. And I'll be stingy with my money just because right. I don't. I'm not a fan of streaming. I like just. For me, the theater is the experience. Like, okay, this is how movies were meant to be seen, not on. Well, if, unless unless. <laughs> I'll never get this across to, but unless the companies that make them treat them well, why should anyone else treat them well? I'm mean, right now. It's like I didn't watch the Oscars because it just looked nobody so. <laughs> yeah, nobody did, and it, like it looked so awful and lonely, <laughs> you know, dismal and downbeat, and people wandering around homelessly and no metal, and I don't know. It's like. It's all become so miserable. 
And you, you know, it's time to perk things up a little rap song. <laughs> so it's like, what's going on here? So, uh, Anyway, uh, I feel hopeful. I mean, so, you know, what's nice about movies, they get onto the streaming thing there, and then they're just kind of there forever. Mm-hmm. If anyone wants to watch them, there they are. But uh, There's no sense of urgency. No. They, well, Hollywood doesn't have a sense of urgency, and, mm-hmm. you know, movies don't seem like something you just have to see. But they yeah. used to. Have you seen The Exorcist? Fuck, man, that was wild. <laughs> you know, Aliens or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. You know, movies don't have that anymore. The lovely Sasha Higgins takes on the role of Alice Erickson. She's not quite Joan Crawford and Johnny Guitar, but she manages to make a solid role for herself. My favorite Tommy Jarvis, Tom Matthews, is the bounty hunter Emmett Cole. Matthews plays up the aging gunfighter angle for the character. Matthews has appeared in cult classics like Return of the Living Dead, Alien from L.A., Kickboxer 4, and Mean Guns. Keep an eye out for Ted Raimi as one of the sheriff's underlings. I respect Warpath for what it tried to do. I can forgive the execution. If you're looking for a western that isn't a hybrid like Bone Tomahawk, but is a sincere attempt at a classic western, then give Warpath a chance. And that wraps up this two-parter on director Josh Becker. The films I recommend you should go out of your way to watch are Running Time, If I Had a Hammer, Morning, Noon, and Night, Lunatics a Love Story, and Thou Shall Not Kill Except. And now, the three tenors and the coolest characters in cinema. Folks, Mackenzie Lambert here, uh, host for Making the Movies, joined as uh, always by my uh, special uh, guest and friend, John Cleveland. Hi, everybody. Uh, this is a, a quarantine edition of The Three Tenors. Uh, yes. we're, we're doing this over the magical tubes of the internet. Yes. Thank you, El Gore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, for this t- uh, top 10, we are going to be doing our top 10 coolest characters. Uh, let me go ahead and read the small blurb from uh, Mr. Rob Hill. Uh, he kind of uh, sets the standard, uh, what we're looking for as far as what cool means with these characters. I'm, I'm very interested in what Mr. Hill has to say yeah. is cool. All right. The cool kid in school had nothing on this mixture of confident, stylish, and unnaturally appealing characters. 
to avoid making the other men and women on the list seem a bit drab, James Bond is excluded as the tribute. So no 007. Ooh, that's interesting, too, because he doesn't call out a specific double O. Nah. Yeah. That's interesting. Because, I mean, come on, uh, some Bonds were just too, were just cooler than others. That's true. And uh, we might be covering that later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and uh, see uh, Mr. Rob Hill's list. Uh, number 10, Tony Stark from Iron Man, played by Robert Downey Jr. It's fair. Yeah, fair choice. Oh, yeah, absolutely fair choice. Number nine, Jackie Brown, played by Pam Greer in Jackie Brown. Of course, yeah, of course, a Tarantino character is going to show up, but that was probably one of the last ones I would have expected. It's a good call, though. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's my favorite Tarantino movie. So, yeah, it's my second. So I'm right there with Mm -hmm. you. Uh, Number eight, Mark Hunter from Pump Up the Volume, played by Christian Slater. Yeah, that's just like this, Mister Hill. Just completely psyched. Like I, I was, I was like, ooh, I, I feel this list for once. Mister Hill, yeah. What? <laughs> like, uh, oh yeah, we, we didn't even make it to number one like we did with Knickknack. We're already at number eight, and it's not working out. Yeah, seriously. I will give. You, I, I will say this is is you know everyone can d- describe though. Cool is very unique to each person. So, mm-hmm. you know. Number seven, Slim Browning uh, from To Have and Have Not, played by Lauren Bacall. And again, with Mr. Hill and his choices. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, number six. Uh, I'm probably going to mispronounce this one, but uh, uh, Michelle Poicard uh, from Breathless, uh, played by Jean-Paul Belmondo. Never. I'm not at all familiar with this. I saw it once. Um, not going to lie. I I was I might have been inebriated. I wasn't trying to watch that film. I don't remember much about it. I, uh, this is weird because the first two were so. Where are we? <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess maybe the problem was you were not smoking, which I guess is customary for French films. But we, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Okay, all right, we're back in familiar territory with number five. Uh, number five is Williams from Enter the Dragon, played by Jim Kelly. Okay, okay, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Although, personally, I would have gone for John Saxon. That, that's just me. I was actually just going to say that. <laughs> by the way, I looked at, like, in my head, I have, like, like both of them standing there acting cool as this giant shadow of, like, Bruce Lee stands in the background just being Bruce Lee and being cool. Mm-hmm. So, all right. All right, number four. Uh, I'm looking at my list, and I'm kind of kicking myself for not including this because it's from my all-time favorite movie, Peter Venkman from Ghostbusters, played by Bill Murray. I I don't think of him as cool. I think of him as funny and sarcastic, but cool? Ah. I'll say this. If you had asked me what your number one was before this started, I would have said Venkman. Yeah, I'm thinking, I guess it's just because my interpretation of cool, I mean, Bill Murray is awesome, but I just think. Yeah, I mean, I can see, I can totally see it. I can Mm -hmm. 100% see it. And like I said, I actually anticipated it being your number one. So here we are. Now I'm super interested in who your number one is. (laughs) All right, uh, we'll finish up uh, Rap Hill's list. Uh, Number three, Tyler Durden from Fight Club, played by Brad Pitt. That's a solid Mm -hmm. choice. Yeah, I'll say that's mm-hmm. that's a, that's a good pick. I can't deny uh, he was popping around my head for a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
number two, Vic Vega, a.k.a. Mr. Blonde from Reservoir Dogs, played by Michael Madsen. <laughs> I will point out, um, before you even say that his number one, there's a lot of more villains on his list than I anticipated, Mr. Hill. Yeah. So, yeah. Been a wild ride. This oh, yeah. It's been a wild ride. <laughs> All right. And okay. for uh, number one, Jeff Costello from Les Samurai, played by Alain Delon. And uh, we're right back to where in the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say I, I have seen Les Samurai a couple of times. I've enjoyed it. Uh, Alain Delon is cool, but he's kind of that silent badass cool, which is kind of the category I kind of stayed away from. But I, did try to, I, I also tried to stay away from badass. Mm-hmm. Badass is where cool meets action. I think. Yeah. So I did try to also, because I mean, like, who wouldn't pick, like, I don't know, Clint Eastwood as Blondie and, you know, stuff like that. Like, how do you, so I just, I also try to stay away from Badass. Yeah. All right. That is uh, Mr. Hill's uh, very interesting uh, selections, uh, to say the least. <laughs> uh, John, let's go ahead and uh, check out your list. Uh, what were your top 10 for the coolest characters? Okay. Um, Mine, I have an eclectic mix because I feel like cool is, a, again, a very representative thing of your interpretation of what cool means. I skewed away from badass as much as I could. I relied more heavily on wit and just charisma. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little bit of badass in each one of them, but that's how it is. Um, all right. So my number, uh, my number 10, Kurt Russell as Jack Burton in The Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, Kurt Russell. Yeah, Jack Burton. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it's a classic. Yeah, it is. And that character, that character is so cool. I want to see the rest of his life put to film. <laughs> I want to see adventure. I would watch that character cook eggs for two hours. You know, I don't care. That man is hilarious. He's just very and I love it. He's not even the main character of the movie. No, <laughs> and uh, I actually did happen to catch the uh, there was a comic book miniseries that crossed over Big Trouble in Little China with Escape from New York. I mean, oh. the premise is good, but the execution left a lot to be desired. But At still, end, did he like retire and then like go to Alaska? I honestly couldn't even make it past the first issue. And oh, it was please. it was not that good, no. I mean, you have to jump a little leaps to come up with a connection there, but all right. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, number two. Uh, oh, number nine. Gerald. Number nine, yeah. Yep. Uh, number two. Yeah. Uh, Chandler <laughs> Gerald, played by Eddie Murphy in The Golden Child. Okay, now this is an Eddie Murphy that I, I've missed out on. Uh, the, well, how... Uh, I've never seen The Golden Child. I've, Aww. I've been, yeah. This is like one of the few '80s Eddie Murphy films I've missed out on. Oh my god, it's so amazing! <laughs> it's so, it's actually, it's, it's funny that I put those two back to back because they were coming out at the same time. Matter of fact, John Carpenter was offered to do The Golden Child, uh, but he backed out because he wanted to do Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, they're great. Uh, no, Golden Child's awesome. It's classic Eddie Murphy. You know, raw good comedy. He's a private detective hired to find a child who turns out to be the golden child. If he's the uh, source of all hope in the world, I think it is, or joy. And uh, if he gets killed by bad people, played by Charles Dance, who's awesome. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it's so good. There's so many good lines. I could sit here and just quote lines. I won't because I want you to watch it. I'll okay. let you borrow my copy. Uh, my, actually, I think I have two copies. I'll let you borrow one. It's it's fantastic. He's so smooth. He's so he's he's Eddie Murphy. I mean, oh yeah. All right, number eight, and uh, I think my only villain on the list, which was very surprising when I wrote my list. I anticipated it being full of villains. It is not. The Collector, 
played by Billy Zane in Tales from the Dark Side, uh, Tales from the Crypt, Crypt. Uh, Demon Knight. Sick of this cowboy shit. <laughs> yeah, there's so many good quotes and I won't say any of them, but uh, uh, so amazing. He, I know it's that badass thing because he's he's you know a giant powerful demon creature, so he doesn't really care. He can be smooth, but his one-liners, his his just fucking charisma is just amazing. And he plays off William Sadler so well because Sadler just oh, plays yeah. the material straight, and you got Billy Zane just yeah. having a blast with the material. Oh yeah, every day on set, I have to say he had to walk on set with a big old smile on his face. Like, he is hilarious, even if you don't like horror films. I highly suggest him because he is just amazing. All right, number seven, and I'm probably I might mispronounce this because I don't think his last name's really said that much, uh, or at least it probably is, and I just can't remember it. L. Cesaric. Played by Rodney Dangerfield in Caddyshack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He so, he so doesn't care about anything. <laughs> he he knows he's rich. He knows they hate him. He doesn't care. <laughs> he loves antagonizing them. Oh my god, it's amazing. I said, what do you get with it? A bowl of soup? Oh, looks good on you though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also, one of the best final lines in film history. Again, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but, uh, oh, come on. Oh, what is it? Hey, bro, going to get laid. <laughs> cranks his radio. <laughs> just, hey, we're all going to get laid. Everybody just erupts. It's like one of the greatest final lines in film history. It's amazing. He's amazing. The movie's amazing. It's great. All right. Number six. Buckaroo Banzai, played by Peter Weller in The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Another one that I've missed out on, and I feel horrible oh. saying that, just because oh, I know... How I got... have you not seen it? Oh, that hurts I... so much more than Eddie Murphy. Oh. <laughs> like, it is such... It's a classic. It is... It is. I don't want to say the definition of a cult film, because that gets thrown around a lot, but it is top three greatest cult films of all time. It doesn't make sense unless you accept it for what it is. It's got the single greatest line in film history, in my opinion. They walk by, and I'm not even going to describe it because it doesn't make sense, and it's not supposed to make sense. Mm -hmm. um, they walk by a room, and the new recruit to the team, um, who is played by, um, why can't I think of his name now, The Fly, uh, Goldblum. Oh, Jeff Goldblum. He's played by a very young Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> he looks into the room, and there's a watermelon in, a, in like a vice. He goes, what's the watermelon in the vice for? And the guy goes, I'll tell you later. And they just keep walking. It's never referenced again. And it is, it, to me, it is a bigger, like, why thing than the three seashells from, um, oh, what is that film now? Uh, Demolition Man. It is just, <laughs> it is, why are, what is the, why is there a watermelon in a vice? But no, uh, on the topic of Kukula's character, Buckaroo, he's the world's greatest brain surgeon, the world's most popular rock star, He's a time traveler. Uh, he's uh, one of the greatest inventors. He's he he speaks to world peace. Like I don't know how much cooler you could possibly make a man. Oh wait, let's cast you know RoboCop. As a <laughs> it's amazing. No, I've heard about the cast. They've got uh, isn't uh, Clancy Brown in this as well? He, yeah, it's a okay. small random role, Clancy Brown. <laughs> like if I like one of the bad guys is John Lithgow. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, I'm sold. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Big Booty. <laughs> Big Booty. <laughs> it's amazing. It's it's just, it's so fun and he's so smooth and he, it's amazing. So, all right, top five. 
Number five is Peter Venkman. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Murray yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling stupid now for really leaving him out. I feel awful. I don't really like, awful. <laughs> he was honestly, I almost admitted him for being like, I'm like, I can kind of see it because it's more, he's quirky, mm-hmm. but like that smooth wit and witticism. That's coolness, man. He, mm-hmm. he, he faces a God and makes a joke. What's more cool than that? Yeah. So no reason to go over it. We've all seen Ghostbusters. We all love Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. It's a great film. He's amazing in it. All right. Number four. And this this one I, I almost had as number one. When I first wrote the list down, he was number one. He in, As soon as I thought about it, though, he did get bumped by somebody. But he was number two for a very long time. Gomez Adams. Mm. By, yeah, Raul Julia and the Adams family. He's he owns the part. It's <laughs> I love the he's, episode. He's got that suave debonair. Uh... And, and even after like he he does go through that point where he's like morose, mm-hmm. but then like he comes back and realizes he enjoyed being remote. Uh, <laughs> like everything's amazing about it. He the movie's hilarious. It's another one where I'm like I've never met anyone who said they didn't like it. It's it's great. It's arguably one of the greatest romance movies of all time. I don't care what you say. It's true. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Also, and I've seen this recently, somebody did a, a YouTube video on it. Gomez Adams is possibly the richest character ever in film. I believe it. I'll buy yeah. I, yeah, I'll buy that. I mean, you look at yeah. the, you just look at the brief glimpse of the vault. It's like, wow, yeah. okay, this guy's yeah. set for multiple lifetimes. Yeah, he's got like something like the guy who did the, the video makes a reference to they find out how much the balloons are that he has piles of. And in that photo, in the reference of how big the vault is, he has more money than exists on Earth. <laughs> Gomez Adams, the one percent. Yes, <laughs> I, I would be. I would be all about the one percent if they acted like Gomez Adams. One hundred percent. All right, All right, top three. Number three is Bill, played by David Carradine in Kill Bill Volume Two. Oh yeah, he's not, I, he's not in the movie that much, and he's just amazing. But he is so well built up too as a character. Yeah, it's so it's so great. And that speech, the super the what I consider the Superman speech, so so good. He's so smooth, and it's that thing where like he never really does anything, but you know because of the way the films are built of how good he is, and he doesn't have to be. I know he's he leans towards that badass more than per se anybody else on the list, mm-hmm. but he doesn't need to. The character doesn't need to do that. Because he's so suave. He's so cool about the whole thing. It's great. I love it. I also got, I had to put him on the list because um, of the original quote I heard from Quentin Tarantino. It was a making of Kill Bill. And they asked him, was like, well, you know, when you wrote the script, who did you want to be Bill? And he goes, well, Bill had to be the coolest guy around. So I went to the coolest guy in Hollywood. I'm like, he's got to be the coolest guy in Hollywood. So I went to Dave Carradine's house and asked him if he'd be, if he'd be in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number two, I I'm I gotta give uh, Mr. Hill credit here again. I picked James Bond, specifically Connery, mm. and specifically in Thunderball. Hmm. I was gonna do Doctor No, but I feel like Thunderball he's more cool. They've had more time he, to develop him. Like a this little is, bit, yeah. Yeah, Doctor No was the very both, first. Yeah. 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 I own and and I almost did Goldfinger, but um I decided, you know, no, it's gotta be Connery and it's gotta be Thunderball. All right. 
So, because he's James Bond. Who's yeah. cooler than James Bond? <laughs> oh wait, he's only my second choice. Mm-hmm. Number one with a bullet. For a nanosecond, he wasn't number one when I threw Gomez Adams down, and they instantly moved him. The dude played by Jeff Bridges mm. and the Big Lebowski. He's uh, he's yeah. he's just cool personified. <laughs> he isn't badass. He isn't particularly witty until he wants to be, or it seems like he can be. He's a slouch. He's a do nothing. He's the definition of a dirty hippie. But at the exact same time, he just goes on his life, man. It doesn't even really be a big deal. At the end mm-hmm. of it, it's all about a rug. And it's uh, yeah. just, it's so, I, it's so, it personifies what cool is to me in the fact that he'll do what he needs to do. Like, he's not like always keeping his cool per se. Mm-hmm. He's not mellow all the time. But realistically, everything is so, it's such a, always about a small thing to him that he just like, eh, screw it, man. It's yeah. Bull. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Great, great. Oh, well, great. No, great choices. Great choices. Okay, let's hear yours. All right. For my uh, top 10 coolest characters. All right. Number 10. I agreed uh, totally with uh, Mr. Hill. My number 10 is Tony Stark played by Robert Downey Jr. Uh, specifically just for that first Iron Man, because I mean, it oh, doesn't honestly doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, oh yeah. And he, without, uh, without Iron Man, there would be no MCU for better or worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, number nine. Uh, this one might be a bit of a surprise. The Gunslinger, played by Yul Brenner in Westworld. Ooh, that's uh, interesting. Oh yeah, uh, and you know he's got that mouth of his. As even for being an automation, he's got that uh, whip. He's got that tongue of his that uh, he instigates the gunfight with. Uh, I believe Richard Benjamin's the actor's name. Uh, they have that gunfight, and he just mm-hmm. keeps on coming back. And eventually, he just goes full Terminator, and he's just one of the coolest, scariest bad guys I've seen on film. Yeah, I think good call about like he's basically yeah he's a pre Terminator. That's a good call. Uh, and I'm actually kind of surprised that uh, women really aren't represented a lot in this in these lists, which I think is kind of a shame they because are. yeah, I went with Marie played by Annie Paralod from Innocent Blood, uh, the vigilante vampire who is legitimately mm-hmm. just one of the coolest female characters. I, I kind of felt the bride by Uma Thurman was just a little too obvious. But uh, Marie, I think, is a very underrated character and is definitely deserving of some more eyes just because Innocent Blood is just a wonderful horror comedy. Yeah, I see that. Totally. Totally see that. Good call. Uh, Number seven, uh, Sex Machine, played by Tom Savini in From Dusk Till Dawn. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I regret not putting it there. Oh, that's so good. Oh. Uh, you got Tom Savini with that uh, codpiece uh, pistol, which is awesome. He's great with a bullwhip, and he's just when he's taking on the vampires alongside Fred the Hammer Williamson, who was almost on my list as well. Fred Williamson yeah. was almost on my list too, but I went with Tom Savini just because it's it's freaking Tom Savini. Yeah, it's a, it's a very uh, oh, I, I re- truly regret that man. I one hundred percent regret that. Good call. <laughs> All right, uh, number six. Uh, this is Rob Hill's number one. I had Jeff Costello played by Alain Delon in Les Samurai. He's a cool character, but no, not the coolest. No, I, I cannot agree with that. I'm, I was able to think of at least five other characters that were cooler than him, but still, <laughs> Jeff Costello is a cool, collected uh, assassin. And, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of like a precursor to the, uh, the professional Leon. That's kind of where I look at it. So it's. 
it was it's it's French cool. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. It's French cool. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> Number five, Indiana Jones, played by Harrison Ford from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what? You're just naming things. I'm like, oh, man, I totally <laughs> forgot. Oh, man. Because oh. when he he's cool in his own way, he's kind of cool in that uh, academic sort of manner when he's able when he's got like all the, the girls like heart throbbing after him. Yeah. Uh, and the one time he does try to be James Bond in uh, Temple of Doom, he completely fails at it. So <laughs> when he tries to be cool outside of his parameter, he fails. But when he's inside his his ballpark, he's one of the coolest. Yeah. It's a very, very human character. We've all yeah. had the, uh, he's afraid of snakes. He doesn't uh, do well with heights. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's the uh, the infamous gunfight where he's like, oh, I can't do this. Boom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> all right. Uh, number four. Uh, this, uh, I was not a big fan of the car chase in this movie. I know you are, but there's no, de- there's no denying that he's legitimately just the definition of cool bullet at, played by Steve McQueen in Bullet. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good call. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just Steve McQueen in general was just the definition of cool. Uh, he was the one that kind yeah. of made the, the, the Mustang cool. He's, uh, he's just got that low key attitude that's like, you know, I, I don't need to be aggressive. I, I know I'm all, I, I don't need to be. Yeah, no, I think you, you nailed it on the head. He was basically the symbol of cool for an entire generation. <laughs> Okay, uh, this is I know I I when you brought this up earlier, I was like, ooh, now do I want to include this character? And I okay, number three, Blondie, played by Clint Eastwood in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. He's he's basically James Bond of westerns. That's that's just yeah. the way I look at it. Yeah, I I didn't include him just because he leans more towards like if we were top ten, bad yeah, athletes, badass, yeah, yeah, but but yeah, no, I see it. I can I can totally see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two. James Bond, played by Sean Connery in <laughs> Dr. No. Oh, okay. Dr. I went with no. Dr. No, yeah. yeah. Uh, j- just because that opening poker sequence just yeah. completely sets the tone for who James Bond is as a character. Yeah. Like and, a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Yeah, and actually it was, uh, I was watching like a show on, like, a mar- like they were actually discussing like the difference between a shaken and stirred martini. Uh, a mm-hmm. shaken martini dilutes it. So I that's kind of like, you know, that's when they see James Bond drinking a martini, like, okay, this guy's getting drunk. He's not going to be able to, you know, defend himself or be coordinated. But when you uh, shake a martini, you're diluting it, which means you're not getting as much alcohol. You're getting more water. So he's drinking, but he's still able to keep his senses and keep his awareness. Mm, I never, never knew that. All right. And, uh, my, my, (laughs) yeah. And my number one, of course it has to be a Tarantino character. It's Winston Wolf, played by Harvey Keitel in Pulp Fiction. Ooh, that's a good call, man. Yeah. Uh, just when he comes in and it's like, that's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. <laughs> <laughs> and just, you know, Vincent Vega's just giving him some crap. And he's like, excuse And he doesn't take it. Not for a no. minute. He's like, I'm no. here to bail your asses out. So you do as I say when I say. And it's like, yeah. oh, this is awesome. Yeah, because you're so, oh, dude, your list is like stellar, man. Uh, I feel like I got blown out of the water this time. Um, and I was so confident, too. But no, you're so right. They build up the movie. You spend the whole time knowing that Vega is just he he himself is just cool as ice. And then everything after the gunshot kind of goes downhill. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere comes Kaitel and just like destroys them. It's it's amazing. Oh, that's so oh man, good <laughs> list, man. Thank you. 
I'm impressed. <laughs> All right. So, folks, yeah, those are our uh, top 10 coolest characters. Let us know who yours are. are. Are there any that you I know there's probably some we left out, but uh, feel free to let us know in the comments. Uh, we're, we're looking we, we look forward to seeing what you people can come up with. Yeah, I mean, there's so, again, like, look how diverse our list was, even if we both have, you know, James Bond on it is number two. But yeah, come on. There's got to be other lit people out there we're missing. Every time you brought somebody up, I'm like, oh, I totally forgot. So <laughs> bring it on, people. Mm-hmm. All right. And I think that uh, does a good job of wrapping up uh, this segment of my, of uh, the three tenors. Uh, I'm Mackenzie Lambert. And I'm John Cleveland. And we're signing out. Bye. No giveaway this episode, but I do expect one for the June 4th episode. Speaking of the June 4th episode, that one will be a little bit different. John and I will be doing a running commentary for the video, 50 Best Horror Movies You've Never Seen. I will definitely have that ready on Friday, June 4th. If you like this content and would like to see the program grow, a one-time donation via PayPal or Venmo would be greatly appreciated. You can find me on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I stream on Twitch. I'm still playing Wasteland 3, and I recently started Retromania Wrestling. Sundays are still social gaming night. Start time is 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. You can check out my schedule on my Twitch channel. Feel free to join me sometime. All of that in the description box below. Until next time, this is Mackenzie Lambert for Mac in the Movies, signing off. That uh, uh, M- Michigan went recreational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so New where York are you? Rec- uh, New York. Uh, we finally just went recreational as well, like within the last month. So right. And now they need what they need to do, which America doesn't know how to do. Uh, but I started going to Amsterdam in the nineties, and the fact is, you know, you buy your weed at a coffee shop and then sit down and order a cup of coffee and smoke your weed. <laughs> Yeah, and, yeah. you know, all of the stoners of the world were there, which was wonderful. Uh, but now the, the ones we've got here uh, and the recreational are even a little worse than the, the medical ones. And they're friendly enough, but it's get your shit and get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no benches. There's no <laughs> sit around. There's no enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm.